Welcome to the Programmatic Digest, a podcast dedicated to review industry headlines and trends in the programmatic and digital ad tech world. I'm Ellen Parker, your host and Chief Programmatic Sensei of Ellen Parker Consulting, where we offer customizable training in programmatic media. This podcast has been sponsored by WorkReduce. If you want to reimagine how to work in advertising, check them out at workreduce.com forward slash careers. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining the Programmatic Digest podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Julio. Um, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Elan. Oh, man. I'm so excited to talk to you because I came across your your, I mean, the team reached out to me via Instagram. Uh, the team is Monetize More. Julio is the president of Monetize More. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, perfect. <laughs> and um, and and the the team and the con- the type of content you guys share on Instagram and on LinkedIn is really bomb. So that's why I was like, let's just reach out and see how we can collaborate or even have you on the podcast. And I've heard that you're an amazing leader. So before we get into today's conversation, we'll, we'll talk about monetize more being a fully remote company. How you've handled your your growth is like an explosive growth. Um, internally and externally and maybe we'll have some time to talk about like the publisher market and the publisher um the latest greatest news about the publisher side um so but before we get into the conversation go ahead and introduce yourself to those that don't know you yet sure i'm julio monzon i'm the president of monetize more as you said uh this is our 12th year in business and we've been running the business completely remote since the very beginning um, we basically what we do is we act as the ad tech engineers for publishers who need sort of full ad set ad, ad tech setup. Uh, we also provide a platform for publishers who just want to do everything in house because there's publishers in all sorts of the, all every area of the spectrum. Yeah. And then uh, we also um, we're the parents of a company called Traffic Cop that uh, is our fraud traffic detection and suppression Ooh. software specifically for. Ad tech. Okay, that. I have a lot of questions about the fraud world and on the publisher side. Uh, my experience is 100% buy side. I work with agency. I, I help them build the department, the programmatic media department, whether it's like already expert at that or from zero to 100. And so um, before, before, talk to us about Monetize More, um, the, the, the culture around Monetize More. I mean, I got a chance to talk to two of your people and they're amazing, <laughs> uh, Joseph and Kamaya specifically. So talk to me about what the last two years has been uh, for the company, specifically, you know, in the post-pandemic, how did you make sure that, or how did the team or the, the company make sure that you would still be able to respect the the company culture, despite the negativity around around the employees, you know, something that we cannot always control, but we can always try to help our, our people. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, first of all, uh, before, at when as the pandemic was rolling out, yeah, uh, we were so prepared for the pandemic, we didn't even know because oh, wow. again, we've been completely remote for twelve <laughs> years now. And so we didn't have to go through what a bunch of our colleagues had to go through in terms of like, okay, what do we do? Everybody's got to go remote. Do we give everybody access and, and everything <laughs> like that? We had been, it's been part of our cultural DNA for, for wow. over a decade. So um, of course we addressed the pandemic and made sure everybody was safe. And like, we made sure that we could, um, you know, extend a hand in any way we could. Mm. But in reality, it was 
you know, other than the news, which which was quite negative, um, it was pretty much business as usual because we were already oh. people were already architecting the best way they could work, uh, the hours they could work, whether that's from home or, or somewhere else. Maybe that sh- they shifted a little bit more for for homework, but I mean that's that's pretty much where it would happen um, as the pandemic was rolling out. So talk to me also about to and to segue into my next question. Um, talk to me about um, the diversity within the company because you are a global company. Um, but do you is there any strategies in terms of like oh let's go ahead and focus on hiring for in this this particular region of the world or does does your does the way your business you're running the business affect how you're recruiting basically from a global perspective? Let's take a brief moment for this week's episode sponsor. I wanted to talk briefly about a business. It's a company that I've worked for over the past few years, WorkReduce. Their CEO, Brian Dolan, has been a guest on the podcast a few times last year, talking about how the 80-hour agency workweek is no longer sustainable. If you're not familiar with them, WorkReduce works with top holding companies and global brands to augment media specialists into their advertising team to help them scale and grow faster. Their talent is so valuable right now that they're experiencing explosive growth and they're always looking for great talent across all levels of experience. So if you're burned out and not feeling supported in your current role or you're wanting to accelerate your career to the next level, check out workreduce.com forward slash careers to see all of their open opportunities. As I mentioned before, I've worked as a trader and project lead for WorkReduce and love the flexibility of working from home, especially after my baby girl was born and while I was ramping up building my own consulting business. They're not a freelance marketplace. You'll enjoy the flexibility of freelancing, but the security, stability, and benefits of being an employee. And that's why so many top specialists are choosing careers with work reduced over the slug of agency life or the constant self-promotion you need when freelancing. Work Reduce will champion your career every day. If you want to reimagine how to work in advertising, check them out at workreduce.com forward slash careers. Now back to the episode. Yeah, so that's an interesting question because at the beginning, um, we always knew we wanted to be remote. Yeah. Um, the motivation to get into ad tech was what could we do uh, so we can never go into an office? Not necessarily, oh, I think ad tech so cool, but obviously ad tech is the yeah. best now because we yeah, do yeah. it overnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, what, it's interesting you asked that because um, we started hiring in, in, in Canada. We were a Canadian company, obviously. Mm-hmm. And what started to sort of happen is we started to hire a little bit overseas. And over the, the, the decade um, that we've been in business, um, what started to happen is the best, the best people that came to us were referrals from our you know, A players, our rock stars. Oh, wow. And some of them were in Europe. Some of them were in certain other areas of the world. And what has mm-hmm. happened is we've rolled out certain little pods of talent sort of all over the world. And, it, and that's nothing that we consciously said and, or researched and said, okay, we're going to have to look in this area of Brazil or this area in Canada or this area in Europe, et cetera. It, it just kind of formed by our A players, like referring more people and then us, us saying, okay, there's got to be 
something in the water in these areas maybe. And so we, we kind of started the posting there and, and looking around there. So um, it was really a community driven, I guess you could call it on where we would find our, our talent. I like that. Uh, recruitment, it was a community driven decision. That's, that's great. Or strategy. I like that. Um, that says a lot about the company. And like I said, I got to talk to a few of your folks, but you can instantly like feel the charisma, feel the energy. And I was like, yo, I got to talk to this guy. He's this bomb. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, they had nothing but amazing things to say about you. And um, but it's not only about you as a leader, but you could feel how great um, each individuals I talked to were in their field and the way they they communicated and the energy they were, you know, it was all virtual, uh, but you could feel the energy was like legit. Um, so with that perspective, I uh, want to get back into the culture of Monetize More. What are the fun things uh, you like to, to encourage the team? And the reason why I'm asking that again, um, you y'all did it before <laughs> before working virtually <laughs> or remote was sexy okay so now I'm, yeah. I'm i'm trying to pull information or insight from a leader um like yourself and the company for people that are listening that are maybe struggling with company culture right now oh you know they're asking me to get on camera again another zoom camera a meeting when i just want to be in my robe which i have one here too um, mm -hmm. So what are the things you you do to really make sure to, and maybe maybe I'm trying to learn from the company as well, but what are the things you make sure happens so that employees or team players are not just feeling like another meeting on Zoom or mm -hmm. another meeting on Teams with a camera on that I don't feel like having? Yeah. So first of all, um, everything that I'm about to suggest came from our team. Um, so mm -hmm. the first thing that uh, I guess viewers should listen about uh, the culture is that it's, it, it's impossible uh, for me and, you know, my business partners to come up with every single good idea in terms <laughs> of, uh, you know, managing this many people across the world. It, it's literally impossible. So um, everything that we have done has been um, really like I, I'll go back to it. It's been community driven. It's been team driven. We've been we've asked a lot of questions. We've sent out a lot of surveys. We've mm -hmm. tried some things in terms of you know happy hour and things like that. Okay. Um, but it's it, it's it's really come up to what the team likes. So what the team likes uh, has been sort of in terms of um, employee engagement has been um, online yoga classes and things like that. Oh, Again, wow. okay. I never would have I never would have come up with that myself. Uh, but, uh, you know, typically I, what I've seen during post-pandemic is some companies go, oh, it's company happy hour. And, and we have that every once in a while. But mm -hmm. most of our team want to be engaged. They want to have more people mm -hmm. um, sort of on the call. They want to participate. They like their raffles a lot. They they love that kind of stuff, like raffles, yeah, yeah, yeah. surprise, like a campaigns, lot of things like that. Yeah, it's, it gets them really excited, right? And I guess that works for us. And that that has been part of our journey. But I guess what I would you know, encourage your viewers to do is really listen to your team. Um, and we've, over the years, we've grown to over like 200 people all over the world now. And the the challenge, we have recognized the challenge right away that it's, it's getting harder and harder to listen to absolutely everybody, but we make a very, very conscious effort. We have a whole people department to try to continuously listen to, to our people. Um, do we take every single idea? No, absolutely not. But we do try to give that opportunity for everybody to have a voice. And so, any of this engagement stuff, we can keep rolling with it. And any kind of thing that motivates you as an individual, we can try to line that up with 
the company culture and incentives and things like that because wow. it's, it's different for everybody. That's really cool because uh, my next question was about your, your your the company's growth, the business growth side of things. And I think it aligns with uh, your conversation about being very community driven, but also like listening to your people. That's it. That, it's no secret. There's no substitute. You know, and it's not a mm-hmm. secret sauce. You just got to listen to them and I'll, and be genuine and be, you know, practice empathy and making sure you like you reserve some time to listen, basically. Um, but some of uh, one of the qu- questions that I have was um, at, at a point, at a su- certain point in your the business side of things, you mm-hmm. acknowledge that crap, we, we are scaling. I mean, we're growing really fast. How do we scale? So um, you mentioned that you had about 200 employees at the moment, team members, ninjas working for monetize more. How did you, when did you realize like, oh man, we, we gotta, we gotta extend our team and how did you do that? Yeah, it's funny because, um, when I'm asked that question, it, people have to realize it didn't just happen overnight. Right. Right. We were, okay. you know, about 10 you people. Mean, then you we didn't were just 15. what? <laughs> as, as explosive as explosive growth can get. Um, yeah. no, it's, <laughs> um, you know, we were 15 and then 20 and then it eventually kind of rolled out that way. Yeah. Uh, up to the level we are right now. Um, I think the most important thing that we do um, as we've grown and to continue, because culture really is a huge part of our growth. And mm-hmm. I can go into, you know, sales and our technology and everything like that. But to, to be quite honest with you, the core of everything, everything branches off of, of culture. Yeah. And to, to maintain that culture as we've grown, yeah. we've really put, uh, we, we've really put a lot of effort into what we call cultural interviews or cultural screening. So whether you were a developer for Google or Facebook and you want to work for us or the best salesperson in the world, it doesn't matter. The first kind of filter that goes into our conversations with you is a cultural interview to see, you know, how you work, how would you work remotely? How do you deal with people remotely? A a bunch of different questions around that. And only after that, only after that, do we start talking on second round interviews of like your skills and, you know, your experience, et cetera. So uh, I, I would say the biggest thing is, is probably that. That's something that we really hold true. We want people to come in and really feel the culture, and they, they do. Because I feel I feel like people, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that have like you know trust, teamwork, accountability. Yeah, like values. Um, yeah. On, exactly on their on their values to look really nice for a pitch deck or or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you can't blame people for being suspicious of, of ours, right? So um, once they come in and once once we have the cultural interview, they kind of get it mm. and that kind of preps them. So when they come in and we've had this kind of re- sort of review um, after we've interviewed people after they've been with us for a few months is, wow, you know, you actually, you guys are actually living these values. It's not just like to look pretty for and ignore for a piece of paper, right? Um, so yeah. That's cool. That's cool. What are like two questions? Because like, how do you question or verify that you can fit the culture? Like, what are two popular questions you like to ask candidates or three or four, whatever you want to share? Like your um, favorite yeah. questions that tells you like, oh, when they answer this is like a yay. Or if they answer right. this is a no. Of course, somebody's going to listen and call you. But I'm, I'm, I believe that... Um, <laughs> I have I have a strong belief that everything happens for a reason. There's no coincidence, right? But also, like you always have a gut feeling. So if you're listening to this for and you're sure. like, you wanna you wanna work from one size more, and you're taking notes and you say it to Julio or in his team and it's not genuine, they'll be able to tell. 
So, yeah. but go ahead, like exactly. share two or three questions and yeah. answer. Yeah, I'll give you a little taste. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll give you a little taste. If you had to interview um, me, ask, interview me as if like I was about to to join. Like, what would you ask me? The first thing to make sure the culturally right. I fit. So I would ask you, and I don't want to give away too much of our secret sauce here, but I will give you a taste. So okay, like, it, it is questions. So it's um, they're questions that will lead you to basically answer. You know, do you understand how you work the best? Because mm. we honestly, from from the very beginning, mm -hmm. um, over a decade ago, like we've we've always believed that we like to get the best out of people. You need to give them the freedom. You need to give them. You need to trust them with the freedom that they can architect when they work the most efficient. I'll give you an example. My business partner loves to work at night. He'll get up and probably start work at one or two p.m. and work until the wee hours of the night, just because that's just when he's most productive. He's not distracted. No chance I could do that. Right. I like to wake up. I like to start work at six or seven. I get my yeah, important same. stuff done. Same, right? Yeah. yeah so um, the questions we sort of ask and the most important things are, do you know independently how you are the most productive? Because that's the freedom we're going to be able to give you. And that's the trust that we instill in you. So if you can convince us that you are 100% sure on how you are the most productive, Yeah. Whether it's, you know, working 18 hours straight where you take a five hour break in the middle of the day or yeah. it's all in the morning or all in the evening, whatever it is, that that tells us that you have a good grasp on who you are and you'll be of value to monetize more. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like how you didn't tell me for real, for real, what kind of question you asked, but you kind of told me. So I like that. And actually, when I start training uh, teams, the one of the first sessions that I have after the introduction, the onboarding, what is your team about? Um, is a disk assessment. I don't know if you're familiar with the disk assessment. Um, and it basically, the disk assessment categorizes people communication styles into four. Um, dominance, which is very more assertive, or um, there's influencer, which is more like the life of the party, very people driven. There's um, stability, and then there's compliance. Stability is really like, <laughs> you, you know, the type of... It, Stability and compliance are always the two things that that I always get confused about because I'm very low scores on those. I'm very high I, and very uh, a little bit higher on the D side. Uh, but the reason why I do this is because we all have different forms of communication. Like for instance, if you had to approach me with something important, you would definitely have to ask questions such as like, "How was your day? How are you doing? How's your mama?" Da, da, da. And then ten minutes later, get into the work conversation. Versus somebody with, uh, I think is higher in compliance. Well, you'll have to go straight into it. Hey, how are you doing? Hello. Um, can you get me this by this date or whatever? Or, uh, sure. or like somebody that's assertive, same way. Like you go straight to it. Like, hey, sometimes you don't even have to say hi to them. You like give me this, and they won't. They receive it well because that's their form of communication. They, they how that's how they're communicating back. That's how they receive the information uh, back to them. So I think it's a great, great way to identify if somebody even know who they are. And yes, 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 yes. I'm saying this because sometimes we associate our work with our identity and it's completely wrong. Like your job is going to come back and forth. Like you're going <laughs> to, you're going <laughs> to test different skills and it's going to lead into different jobs and job titles and, and I was going to say revenue, but income that you will be um, gaining during that year. But your job is has nothing to do with your identity. 
So I appreciate mm-hmm. the fact that before you even go into a skill set, you're asked like, who, 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 who are you? Who is you? Like, what yeah. do you even understand how you're the most productive, but also how you're the happiest? Because when you're happy, when you're, sure. when you're confident and you're productive, you gain results. You're able to speak up for yourself and speak for what's right and what's wrong. And most, most, you'll be surprised, most employee that I talk to that I train outside of the leadership, like when they're not around and I'm training them on a one-on-one basis, it's it's a lack of confidence that was created by miscommunication at some point. A boss boss did something mean to them or boss just didn't, you know, was too dismissive because the boss is Mm -hmm. assertive and the other one is like, you know, a high S. So you got to come, come at me really slow. And then, you know. Give me some space when you ask me a question versus your assertive boss who just knows how to ask, I need this now. Don't tell me how you did it. Just, just give it to me now. So I appreciate, I appreciate the fact that you're going through that. And it says a lot about the company. I mean, you guys have been doing this before I started being sexy two years ago, thanks to the pandemic. Um, So let's move into our final question here, which is what's the latest and greatest about the the industry right now in, in Julio's mind, in Julio's perspective. Um, mainly, what is something you're excited about maybe in 2022 um, mm-hmm. from a company perspective as well? Anything that you want to share, even if it's like personal? Yeah, no, um, the most exciting part, um, you, you know, you can be excited about a lot of different things in that, yeah. especially in the publisher world. Oh, um, then you start mixing, you start mixing different because we're so global. You start mixing different uh, things that are important in different geos, and mm. then it's a whole other, it's a whole other thing. Um, I guess I'm most excited with um, some of the opportunity we have in certain geos because they're they're very behind compared to sort of, for example, North America, Europe, yeah. and it's it's very interesting. We've identified some. Uh, imagine, you know going backwards in time five years ago and they're having some the same issues but because we're much more advanced in ad tech in general than it was five years ago the challenges are a little bit different so it's not not sort of a you know just act like you acted five years ago so in in sort of emerging markets and things like that that's what's going on and it's very very interesting personally for us because it's it's like you know we've gained a lot of traction um with our company but then it's like okay well this is sort of a new market like how do we deal with here and you know how do we deal with the marketing and the communication and we have like a we really want to empower ad monetized publishers so how do we communicate and educate them at at this level given that they're behind you know it's it's very yeah. very very interesting and that's that's the exciting part but i feel like it's also like a second chance to do it better than we did it before you know for uh, sure I think our, our our North American market is. Um, I'm not going to say that without hurting uh, feelings. I feel like we're sometimes <laughs> arrogant when we come to this, and I'm in the market. Mm-hmm. And I work in the industry um, because mm-hmm. we think that oh, because we figure it out. There's only this way, and we forget that there's so many more. Like we tend to focus on the technology before the consumer, and that's the wrong way to think about it, in my opinion. Absolutely. So I appreciate that uh, in emerging markets, there are opportunities to really focus on what's important while complementing with technology, with teams, with growth, and whatever you want to mention. Um, because this is a market that I've been looking at is South America and Southern America and um, Africa, because originally I'm from West, West Africa and Senegal. 
And um, yeah, that market is like emerging. They have like a little digital hub over there. And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to get in. Like, let me know. (laughs) And there are a lot of opportunities out there. And there are some agencies and there are some technologies that are being developed. And in North America, we don't know about it because we're not thinking about that market. And next thing you know, in three years from now, that market is going to be one of the new digital hub. I feel it's like one of the biggest uh, market in that is untapped at the moment. Um, but for I'm sure. all about doing it for us, by us. So, you know, this, this is a, a great, it's a great conversation. So let's go ahead and close the conversation. Um, but before we end the podcast, I'd love for you to answer a few questions. Uh, what is one fun fact about yourself that you can share with us? Um, I haven't had a home in about nine years, so I take oh, wow. full advantage. I take full, full advantage of the fact that we can work remotely. Um, of course, you know, not everybody's as extreme as me, but some people are stay at home moms, uh, you know, <laughs> bless them. Uh, yeah. Some people are full on nomads like me. So I normally stay three months in a place and then maybe travel to another place and stay like oh, a month nice. there. Airbnb should be sponsoring me at this point, to be, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I'm all about the Airbnbs. So that's a fun fact. I've not actually stayed put in a place um, mm-hmm. other than the pandemic. In the pandemic, I went to, I was, um, I was in Mexico for six months, but that was the longest I've been somewhere. In the last eight, nine wow. Wow. So, so what is a place that you visited or lived in that were like, oh, I would have never imagined that it was so amazing that you maybe in the last two years. I'm not going to ask you where you are now for safety reasons. But like what in the last two years, what is the place that you visited and you're like, oh, I knew it was cool, but like it's really, really cool because of this. You know, to be honest, um, and a lot of nomads maybe listening will disagree with me, but to be personally honest, I'm going to say Mexico just because I'm I'm Canadian, right? It's kind of like if it's kind of like Mexico, like everybody goes to Mexico. Why would I go there? So I never really gave it a chance. Uh Yeah. Uh, but lately, in the last few years, I have, and there's just some incredible spots for everybody. It's a vast, vast country. It really opened my mind to that. So I would say, I'm going to say that. Oh, wow. That's a, that's really cool. Uh, thank you for sharing. All right. Last question is, I like to play uh, a what-if game. And um, the point of the game is to think really big. What is the biggest goal, like a dream that is almost unattainable that you could use? So for instance, my what-if is... What if I, what if I retire my mom by June, 2022, by her birthday, her birthday is June, uh, June 25th, um, June 25th. And so my example would say would be, what if I'm able to, what if I retire my mom by her birthday, 2022, and she's just able to travel the world and go see her sisters because they're all spread out whenever she wants, because I can financially help her. So it's like a big, mm-hmm. big, big gift, right? <laughs> it's like a big, big mm-hmm. dream, I mean. Um, but it's it's not always impossible. But to some people listening, it might be come across like, wow, that's that's really big. So give me like your biggest what if. What if? Um I guess um it, it's gonna be in the kind of the same realm as you said, because mm-hmm. a big thing with with just how I, I i live nomadically is is seeing family mm-hmm. um and some like my parents will fly wherever i am and visit me that that's yeah. happened recently but not i was uh i was born in peru i'm mm-hmm. canadian but i was born in peru and that family i just i just love and of course because of pandemic and because of you know visa reasons sometimes they oh, yeah. can't come see me 
So what if I could just fly all of them? And trust me, there's a lot of them. Um, <laughs> over to wherever I am, whatever paradise, whatever beach place I'm at. Some, sometimes that would be that would be incredible. Um, that would that'd be that a lot is, of fun. That is bomb. Well, I don't think it's impossible. So we're gonna end this amazing conversation on that note. We'll be checking in on your what if. Okay, y'all listening, and I will. Everybody uh, updated, even if it's like one or two that you start flying out for now, let's, and then you move up to like the whole family. I have a lot of cousins as well. That's why I understand that. And that's why I laughed a little harder. <laughs> it's not to be disrespectful, <laughs> but I have a lot of cousins too. So I understand uh, where sure. you're coming from. But thank you so much for joining us. If, um, if you had to end the podcast with like a word of wisdom for anyone listening, Maybe something that you would have tell, told yourself like as a junior, just starting in the industry, what would that be? Um, in, 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 as a junior in the industry in, in ad tech. Um, yeah, yeah. Like if you had, if it was like <laughs> maybe, so you say you, you've been working for like nine years with Monetize More, like nine years ago or even 10 years ago when you started working <laughs> in the industry. What would you tell yourself that you learned over the years? Oh, I would definitely say... Um, yeah, ad tech is very much a, you don't know what you don't know. And <laughs> no matter how amazing your leader is, they can't literally proactively ask, uh, answer all of your questions because they don't know what you're going to mm-hmm. ask because there's just so much, there's it's so many variables. So I would say just be obsessively curious about everything and mm-hmm. don't ask every single what you would deem as a, as a elementary question. Just it might not be elementary to some people. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say just keep asking questions. Be very, very curious. Um, and I'm sorry to steal your line, but then stay curious for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I absolutely respect that. And I think it's a, there's a reason why you're saying it. And we're both working in the industry. So um, so thank you so much for dropping by. We are super grateful. I think what you're doing and what the company is doing speaks for itself. Y'all go follow um, Monetize More on all of their social media. If anybody needed to reach out to you, how can they do that? It's just Julio, J-U-L-I-O, at monetizemore.com. Amazing. All of his information and the company's information would be in our show notes as a friendly reminder on the website, programmaticdigest.com or on any of our social media, literally. (laughs) So thank you so much and have a wonderful day. 